Well, welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast today. We're excited that you're tuning in as we chat with Steve and our good buddy Tyler Bashma about their recent experience hunting sheep in Alaska. You might have heard us talk about this hunt just a little bit on previous episodes and Monday Minute uh, content with Steve, and we talked more about the gear, but not so much the story. So this episode is with Steve and Tyler really recapping the hunt, kind of the, the day-by-day, the play-by-play, the highs and lows and lessons learned. Uh, and this is one that we recorded quickly before all of us took off to actually get in the backcountry more. So as this one is uh, released, we're actually out hunting uh, separately and chasing elk and things like that. But wanted to share this story so that if you guys have any time on the road or anything like that, you had this one to tune into. Um, as you hear about this story, uh, just want to throw out there too, it'd be great to hear from you guys and hear how the fall goes. Uh, so as always, you can email us directly to podcast at exomountaingear.com. But for now, here's this conversation with Steve and Tyler about their recent doll sheep hunt in the Alaska range. All right, Tyler, uh, welcome to the Hunt Back Country Podcast, man. You've been here uh, a few times in the past, but I think this is the most exciting conversation I'm excited to have with you just because the story. So we're talking about your sheep hunts. Uh, just to kick things off, man, go to the origins of this hunt, which was Hunt Expo back in February, and tell us uh, tell us how the story really started there. Um, yeah, well, that uh, that was in February, and um, yeah, typically we kind of all get together and have a good time at Hunt Expo, and, and we've been doing it for four or five years now. And anyway, um, out of that group, none of us is drawn. We all kind of buy a bunch of tickets together to make it a little bit cheaper and um you know we were kind of getting to that point of man someone's got to win this dang um thing and um last year was my year i was the guy in the group and um yeah it's just crazy deal so i uh i want a doll sheep hunt in alaska and um yeah then we just kind of hit the ground running yeah yeah, yeah so uh... the, i was gonna say at the hunt expo for people who don't know they do a uh I think it's a Saturday night. Everyone buys raffle tickets and they do a huge wild sheep foundation raffle where they give off like 12 hunts. So it's pretty kind of fun, exciting thing to at least have the ticket in there and have a chance to win this, you know, 20, 30, $40,000 hunt. Um, yeah. So we, we're always buying the tickets as a, a group to make them a little bit more affordable and throw in the pot. And, you know, it was yeah. freaking amazing this year when Tyler won. Yeah. It's such a fun environment too, because there's this giant ballroom with, hundreds i guess maybe thousands more than a thousand people in there crammed in and it's it's fun to watch that go down uh tyler when you won i remember steve you saying uh like off the bat that you wanted to tag along just for the experience and then essentially plans change you weren't planning on going but then as listeners may have heard us talk about kind of a last minute deal you not only ended up going on the hunt but having a tag for yourself uh which was a last minute deal so that's a Super exciting. Both of you guys heading up there with that. What were you, when was that decision made, Steve? I mean, it was like within a couple weeks of the hunt. Yeah, I think it was like, yeah, something like 15 days or 16 days basically prior to leaving for the hunt was, um, uh, yeah, decided to do it. So, yeah, when Tyler won the hunt, that was uh, uh, just almost uh, selfishly, I was like, dude, I want to come on that. Like, I want to go experience a sheep hunt. I've, uh, you know, I was just like excited for him and and I thought it'd be just really fun to go and tag along and, and just scheduling and stuff. I wasn't able to make it happen. And then uh, COVID hit and everything got flipped upside down and plans got canceled and changed. And then last minute leading up to it, Tyler sends me an email saying, hey, there's a cancellation hunt. I talked to the guy, you could come with me and we could hunt together. And it was just kind of like, holy crap, uh, let me think about this for a minute. And like, basically it's threw my hat in the ring and decided to do it, which, uh, looking back now, man, it was one heck of an experience and I do that all over again. Yeah. So let's just dive right into the story. There's so much, uh, I've talked to you both and heard parts of it, but want to kind of hear the whole experience and especially for listeners, uh, guys who haven't gone on a sheep hunts, um, just for background, Tyler, just to hit like you had, uh, lived in Alaska prior, um, and got to go on a sheep yeah, hunt, so but I've Steve, it was your first experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, kick things off with, you know, one thing with Alaska is always the, the trip always theoretically starts when it wants to start regardless of what you have booked. But how did the transition go of getting to Alaska and getting into the field? Yeah, it was uh, fairly smooth. I, I think you've 
come uh, or I've come to expect through uh, the little bit of experience I have with Alaska is, you know, everything's on Alaska time. Uh, we're very, very spoiled here in the lower 48 just to, you know, basically have access to a car and you jump in your vehicle and you come and go as you please. Uh, the only exception is like a major snowstorm coming in that's going to force you to leave later or come out of the country sooner than you want. But up there, you're, the, you're at the mercy of the pilots and the planes and the weather, and there's so many other factors that you just kind of call it hurry up and wait. So you just do everything you can to get ready and be ready, and then and then you just got to completely – you're so excited to go. You just got to, like, shut down and wait. And sometimes it's an hour. Sometimes it's two, three days. Uh, it's definitely uh, um, takes some getting used to because I'm not the most patient person, a lady D. So, um, but, yeah, we got up there. Uh, Tyler got up a day earlier. I got up there on Saturday. Uh, we're supposed to fly out Sunday morning. Uh, things got delayed a little bit, but we were on our way out to the field Sunday afternoon and flew out to this remote airstrip in a, in a 206. Um, and uh, there was this whole cabin there that we got to stay the night at that was really, really cool. It was built, I think it was original. There's something on the inside of the door that kind of explained the history of the cabin, but it was built in like the 1880s or 90s, um, burnt down in the early 1900s, was rebuilt. And then what we were staying in was what was rebuilt and it's this public use cabin. It was just stocked full of supplies. And it also happened to be right on the Iditarod trail. So there's all these like sled relic parts all over the place. And man, that was just, that alone was a cool experience. Like you could fly up there just to stay in that cabin for a couple of nights and, and yeah. uh, go back home and be like, man, that was awesome. So, um, but basically, uh, yeah, Alaska's Alaska. The, um, the guide that we're going with the outfitter, um, had some, uh, caribou meat he had to get out of the field he had a, a meat packer quit on him and then his other guy that was supposed to help him pack the caribou meat out uh his feet were so tore up that he couldn't do it and tyler and i in the interest of like you know getting to get hunt sooner and, and go help out the guide uh we're like man we'll go help you pack out the caribou meat so we didn't know it ended up costing us two days on the front end of the trip to do, do that which was a little bit of a bummer but in the end it, you know i don't think it made much of a difference one way or the other um, so the, we helped the, on Sunday, I guess got out there Sunday. So that'd have been Monday, Monday, like late morning, we flew to this, uh, base camp, uh, well, spike camp where the caribou meat was. And, uh, Dwayne who's the outfitter said, Oh, it's, it's like three and a half miles up there. And he's like, you know, this shouldn't be too bad. And, uh, ended up being like an 11 hour ordeal to go get this <laughs> caribou. Um, and quite like, you know, as Tyler can attest to with this, what happened with his feet, it, there wasn't like one easy step getting into that thing. It was just alder brush nastiness. And then we got on the side hill that we had to side hill for about two and a half ish miles. I think that, uh, like the ground just didn't want to give, you know, so it was just tearing up your feet, trying to get it back there. And yeah, it was, uh, got back to camp basically right at dark that night. So we were unable to fly. Um, and then, yeah, kicked it off. Then the next day we were able to, eventually get out to our, uh, our base camp. So Tyler, you want to take it from there? Yeah. So once we were, um, at base camp, um, shoot, we didn't, we really didn't have a lot of time to sit around after that. We, we kind of were sitting on our butts for a little bit after we got that caribou out, but yeah, as soon as Dwayne got us at base camp and we got stuff shuffled around, we were hiking and, uh, yeah, pretty quick. We, I think it was like six or seven that evening. Um, we got hiking and then we hiked till about midnight or whatever. And just, we just ended up planting right under a little, little tree, found a dry spot. You and I, I think we had Dwayne laughing right out the gate cause we were just cool with throwing our bivy sacks right on the ground. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then we, we pushed on into that little valley the next morning. And, um, I think that's kind of where croc life started. You were, uh, <laughs> you yeah. were getting, uh, getting to that point already frustrated with, you know, taking boots on and off. And, um, we were just kind of zigzagging through that little Creek coming up that bottom. And finally you, you were the first one to do it. You're like, screw it. And you just went full on, started rocking the Crocs. And I was like, man, that's a good idea. So then I started doing it and Dwayne was kind of chuckling at us as we went up. And anyway, we got up to this little knob where the river kind of peters out and splits off. And, um, you could get up there and look a little bit and sure thing we're up there looking and we're i mean we're sheep everywhere like i'm almost just as distracted by eating blueberries though as looking at sheep and uh 
I'm back there. I can't remember what I was doing, but I just remember you going, sheep, sheep, there's some out in the open. And we, uh, we come out to look and yeah, that's like right off the bat. I was like, okay, yeah. One of those rams needs a closer look for sure. And, uh, yeah, we did that. We, on the way there, we, we dropped our little spike camp. We, something you and I are kind of like both looking at each other, like we're doing this, we're going to drop our camp. <laughs> oh yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we did it. We dropped our camp and then went up after that uh, that ram to see if we get a better look at him. And you know, it it didn't take all a I don't know one kind of glancing look through the spotter to go, yeah, that's a shooter. And uh, yeah, that's where like <laughs> that just goes to show where you know you're a very generous, dude. And um, there was no question about it. Like in my head, I had it made up that. Um, Pretty much if it was just like a ram that was um, close to legal, I was going to be very adamant that you shoot. And then if it was the old monarch, I was going to be like, yeah, I kind of want to shoot. And um, <laughs> He was right on that line. He was like getting to that 10-year-old ram. I, you know, my ram before was not old. And, you know, you, you could tell he's an older ram. And I was like, gosh, darn, I, I want to shoot that ram. And, and how excited Dwayne was and stuff with the potential to see a lot more rams the next day he was almost telling us not to even shoot it. Like he, he was kind of going back and forth in his own head. So with like his level of confidence, I was like, man, I, I just want to get one on the ground. I, I want to shoot that ram. And I looked at Steve. I remember going, uh, let's flip a coin. <laughs> Cause I, I didn't want to make the decision. I didn't want to be the one that, you know, says it out loud. I want to, you know, I want to shoot that ram. And you, you very adamantly go, Nope, Nope. You're the hunt winner. You, you go shoot that ram. And, yeah, it didn't take me a, a second thought. I was okay with it. And uh we uh we dropped in there and um shoot man, we, we did a pretty cool little stock and yeah, just kinda right below them. Not like anything you do in the States, you know, in the States with gear and stuff, you kinda you know, you're trying to do a big move like through a valley and try to stay hidden the whole time where you're you're way far away from and come from you know, come from above or whatever and we just shot right up the gut of this little little drainage and then kind of stayed skirted right on the edge of this um this little hill basically followed right below him and just popped up on the the best little shooting knob and that put us right at 475 yards and um i took my time got all set up and super comfortable and pretty much had my rifle where it you know it sat on the ram you know i was in the rocks and you know, it was, it was pretty solid. And I was just like sitting there and he was bedded down and the, the shot was going to be tight. It was going to be their full on miss, like, because I overshoot him by a couple inches or I smack rocks cause I undershot him. And, you know, and with the ballistics and everything, I don't know, I'm not like super confident in that stuff. So I just was sitting there and hem hawing and Steve's back there. He was like 80 yards behind the guide and I, behind, behind Dwayne and I, just kind of sitting there taking pictures and i'm like gosh this just doesn't feel right and i kicked Dwayne. i'm like hey get steve up here and the uh he, he signals steve steve comes up and gets set up next to me and after that i was like okay i'll, I'll take a shot of this ram how it is now even with the tight window because steve's here and basically if i miss and that ram stands up it's dead like i know like I watched Steve this spring just absolutely crush a bear in a pretty difficult shot. Like we didn't really talk about it too much on that podcast, but anyway, um, just because of the, like getting a good rest and stuff, but yeah, we were both solid rests and I knew if I missed, he would, he would dump it. And luckily I, I snuck it in there and, um, yeah, kind of the rest is history that, that Ram took quite the spill. <laughs> to say the least <laughs> yeah i remember i crawled up and tyler's like all right i'm i'm in the gun if that thing gets up i'm gonna drill it but he's like i want you to get dialed in on the sheep get ready and if i freaking if my first shot misses you drop him right away and i'm like okay so I just got it got, got all set up and ready and i'm i'm in the scope uh literally safety's off fingers on the trigger just watching and hear hear tyler's gun go off and the sheep just like falls over it was so freaking cool to watch yeah um, and uh 
yeah so we're we're kind of like you know immediately high-fiving and then look back up and and the sheep uh, kicks like twice and just basically flings himself off this 40-foot cliff and we're all just like oh that's not good you know <laughs> and no idea what's on the back side of it it could have been another thousand foot of cliff or could have been a little <laughs> shelf we had no clue um, yeah oh man that was exciting i mean we were just basically first day in there hunting probably within three hours dead dead ram on the ground um it was it was freaking cool so that is cool yeah the there's phone scope footage we can try and get it up online or something but i remember watching that when you guys sent it and it was like the sheep just got drilled and then it was lights out and you have that like you said you have that celebration because it just looks stone cold and then it's a few second delay and then he kind of kicks and throws himself off that ledge and it's like oh no (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think you can even hear uh, Dwayne the guide throw some expletives out there when the sheep oh. starts to take a tumble. <laughs> uh, that was, uh, I'll speak to that too. Dwayne was such a cool dude. I mean, it was, um, uh, after, I mean, like within a few hours, it was like hunting with just one of our buddies. You know, I, I was super worried. I think Tyler as well. None of us had ever done a truly guided hunt. Um, and I could see, and I've heard stories of having a guide that's a nightmare where they're like, directing your every step and telling you what to do and with Dwayne it was very much like hunting with buddies and and we got to you know see the sheep and discuss game plans on how we're going to stalk and um, so that part was really enjoyable for me it was it was definitely not uh, not what I was uh, afraid of I guess you could say so so you guys talked about how you left the base camp and then hiked in and then also at one point dropped your spike camp mm-hmm what are those distances? Like how far are you away from base camp? How far away are you from where you had dropped that spike camp? Basically 15 miles to camp and then another, another maybe wasn't too terribly far to your sheep, maybe two to three miles, Tyler, if that. Yeah, something in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it wasn't too terribly far, but yeah, we're legit. We're back there, man. Uh, yeah. And that, uh, that hike in that, you said that's where croc life started. Cause was, we, uh, we started just calling them our all terrains because uh, they were truly like amphibious things where we just, you know, you just uh, got in your Crocs and your underwear and, you know, it was cold and the water freaking stung. And, um, but it was the, the better alternative to um, either a having soaking wet boots uh, or B stopping at every Creek crossing, which is just not, it's just not something you could do. I mean, you, I don't know how many times we crossed that Creek. Like, I, I mean, in the thousands, right? Like it's just, you were just in and out of it nonstop, just trying to navigate the terrain. Um, so you finally just, that's when I threw in my hat and it was kind of fun hiking in the night before. Cause it was, it had rained on us for about three, four hours. We're literally like wearing a rain jacket, underwear and Crocs. Uh, but it was, <laughs> it was awesome. Like we we're completely comfortable. Um, it worked out great. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, so let's get back to Tyler sheep. He, he shoots it. We're, uh, we kind of discuss a game plan to get over there. We, or I guess we basically side hilled to where we could see the backside where the sheep went and we could see it way the hell down there. I mean, at least a thousand feet below us. And we're like, Ooh, that's not good. And I remember Tyler threw up his binos and like, I, I think I only see one horn, just how it was laying. Um, so I think Tyler was like, well, I'll, I'll go down there and look. Um, and I was like, okay, well I'll go up into the chute and just kind of start zigzagging my way down, uh, looking for the horn while you go down there. And um, that took about five, ten minutes or whatever. And Tyler's down there, and here's some hooping and hollering that uh, that uh, both horns are on it. And so Dwayne and I just started skiing our way down to Tyler. And um, man, yeah, so just such cool, such cool. Um, you know, for me, never have been around sheep to to actually hold the hold the horns in your hand and look at one up close. And man, just a unbelievable experience. Yeah. What was that recovery like for you, Tyler? And just kind of the, that feeling of success and things coming together. And man, it, I know you guys put in miles to get there and all that, but at the same time it happened relatively quick in the trip. So like, I'm sure there's like that, that little bit of time where it's like letting that truly sink in and that just happened. Yeah. I don't think at that point I really let any of it sink in, you know, it was just, yeah, we, we got to it really quick and, um, I got a ramp down and I was just like, holy crap it's already it's already happening like steve's gonna kill around tomorrow or we're gonna be out of here like there was just this i was almost like anxious that it was going too fast like i was just like oh man this is 
was soaking it in that night and just as we broke that ram down and everything just the views and as the sun went down i was just like man i really need to get every moment out of this because i just had after that i had this like feeling of like oh well it's gonna go way too fast <laughs> yeah i mean that's something yeah. Tyler, that you talked about of something you regret not doing more of when we're younger and i think we're all guilty of that is is taking those moments to to step back and really appreciate the the country you're in the the people you're with um like it seems like you're in such a hurry when you're younger you know and it's hard to to slow down and really appreciate that stuff but to just let it soak in you know take that extra minute and stare at the sunset or stare at the mountains and just really appreciate it it's it's pretty special up there yeah exactly like we we kind of seem and we glossed right over it but one of the things we think why we saw those sheep coming out across that face was right when we got to that little glassing point remember seeing that that big bear mm-hmm. yep yeah it was just the whole thing it was like we get to see this big grizzly bear and you know <laughs> yeah it was a cool evening yeah um so yeah we we get tyler sheep all loaded up kind of take our time you obviously do a, a full body uh cape of it and get it all loaded in the packs we get it back to camp that night and um i think it was that night that <laughs> we felt felt real bad for Dwayne, our outfitter hit he had a guide with a client and it was a the guide basically is texting him like hey my feet are so trashed i can't hunt uh, i can't take this guy out hunting and basically, the guy was wanting to quit on him um so Dwayne's out here hunting with us and meanwhile he's got a guide you know trying to quit on him and we were debating on what the plan was to do and and ultimately we decided to stay back there and hunt for a couple more days um and man we had we you know we hunted hard for two days and had so many close opportunities um just couldn't find a legal ramp we got uh one uh the next morning he, we knew uh you know that he, last time he had flown which was three weeks prior or something there were some rams back up in this basin so we went back there and took us a little while but we we found them they kind of surprised us and i got on the gun and tyler and Dwayne are in the in the uh, spotting scope because there's two rams in the group that look like they're going to be close to being legal um and so i'm in the gun just ready to go just like all right tell me which one to freaking pull the trigger on they were at right about 200 yards i mean just a completely dead sheep and ultimately we just none of them were like immediately yeah they're they're legal they're big enough uh, the two in there they were just really close and in that kind of heat of the moment you just don't uh a, you just don't shoot a sheep that you think, you know, it, it needs to be well past legal for you to shoot it just to be safe. Um, sounds like you'd lose your hunting license for a full year if you, if you do. Um, so, uh, so we don't, we don't shoot either one of those rams. They were, they were really, really close. Um, we ended up, uh, getting up on a glassing point and just had this kind of like 270 degree, just amazing glassing glassing point that we were and it was right on the edge of this cliff it was so freaking cool uh one of those moments where you gotta just stop and appreciate take it in how cool the country is you know and um later that evening this is where alaska is always funny i don't know if i've ever been on a hunt yet where i haven't run into other hunters you know you you always just think it's so big and so remote that you're just gonna be back there by yourself but there's always hunters around so we're glassing and we see a band of like it's like 11 rams most of them smaller but there was one in the group that was kind of bigger but it was three miles down basically down about 1200 feet up about a thousand feet on the other side and basically the opposite direction of camp and as it was probably getting into the the evening at this point i think um and we're like screw it let's go so we just literally pack up our stuff start running down the ridge um with the with the aim to get closer we, we get all the way down the chute, start climbing up the other side, and we're probably within 500 yards of the rams, but just how the country laid out, we couldn't see him. And and Dwayne was, he, I'll give him credit for this, he was super observant. That he's like, something doesn't feel right. Like, there's some sheep on the other hill, and they were acting squirrely. There's some other sheep moving off, the, off in the distance. Um, and he just felt like, I don't know what he was thinking, basically grizzly bear or other hunters um that were causing the like the animals to act funky and sure enough we look down and there's a, a guide and a client like basically down below us um but they're probably about the same distance from the sheep as us they're just kind of at an angle and uh, they're in the scope so we immediately like oh man that stinks um but 
you know, it was like we could tell they were there before us. So we, we immediately just stopped and backed out. We didn't want to get into a rat race situation or, or go up there and shoot it and have some confrontation and have to deal with that. So um, just like, well, from what we could tell, they were there before us because they were all set up and ready. And um, so we basically walked away from that. And uh, we did end up hearing the gun go off. And um, and uh, so that must have been a legal ram in the group. Hmm. But we, uh, yeah, so we climbed back out, got back to camp at dark that night. And that was another thing that was, man, the daylight hours there just, it makes it, it makes it tough. Um, it's like you can do it for a couple days, but I mean, it, it was, it's light at 536 in the morning, I think. Um, that sound about right, Tyler. It's pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even earlier than that. And then it's not truly dark until almost 11. Um, so it's, it's like, it's, it was, it's weird as a hunter in the lower 48 where you're just so used to hunting basically sunrise to sunset, but you really can't do that up there. Cause if, if you are, you're only doing, you're only getting four hours of sleep, you know, and the amount of miles and energy you're expending you, to continue to do that over seven, eight days, you just can't keep going on four or five hours of sleep. Um, so that was a weird part of the whole thing. We, we ended up kind of basically we'd sleep in, in the mornings, we'd get up about seven and then, yeah, and then you're basically in bed. By the time you get to camp, eat dinner, uh, it's kind of midnight. There's a couple nights it wasn't until we got back to camp and just started, you know, get a fire going and tell, tell a few stories. And you look down, it's like, holy crap, it's 12.54. We better better get to bed. <laughs> um, but uh, so, yeah, we, um, we we basically walked away from that sheep. And, and there was a legal one in there that was shot. And that was a bummer. And um, went back to camp. And the next day, kind of debating what to do. And there was... Um, one basin in uh that up and over this like 3500 foot climb that just looked really good on the on the quad sheets and um topo maps and we decided to, to wake up and go climb up there and sure enough we uh you know it, was, it took a quite a few hours just a good little pull up the hill get up there and uh the second we get on top we look down and there's three rams down below us and um it was kind of a i'm like oh yeah this is it so there's one in that group that's big enough he's He's going to be legal and get the spine scope on him. And Dwayne was immediately like, no, he's not legal. And I was like, oh, man. We kind of sit around for like an hour. And that ram um, finally got up to feed. And we got a different look at him. Uh, and I think it was Tyler that, that originally got that look. And was like, man, he's he's pretty close to being legal. Like, we might need to, to get a closer look at him. Um, what was what was your thoughts there, Tyler? Yeah, um, yeah, that's just it. When I finally saw him kind of get his head in just the right position there, and um, it was like, yeah, there might be a chance here. And it's just that, I don't know, you just want something to happen. You know, you maybe wanted it more than anything. But right. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was definitely close. And to me at that point, it was like, well, it, you know, it definitely would be worth taking a look. And um, that alone, that's like another talk about soaking it in. Um, after we decided that, yeah, it was, it was worthy of taking a closer look. We shimmied down this like little shoot that, um, <laughs> yeah, it was just in the, in the moment, it would have been really, really cool to have video of it. So we could have shown people, but we were trying to all stay together tight, like three, three little, I don't know, human worms or whatever, but we were just like sliding on our butts down this black rock shell. And if you've ever been there, you kind of know, it's just, yeah, it's just, like gravel at that point and you know i was kicking rocks onto steve i was the last man so i was just like you know i was more worried about not doing that than filming or anything but it it was really cool we kind of you know did another unique stock if you will and scurried down that little scree field and um then it was just like an old glacier boulder field where it's just like that rolling glacier rock that's just all over the place and you kind of have to bebop along the top of the rocks and we did that basically where we got within 200 yards of those sheep too and um man we sat there and looked at that ram and it was like Dwayne said if it'll be the end of the year and that ram will grow enough to be legal like it was that close hmm. I mean, it was like within an inch and a half on one side from full curl it misses the stick test or whatever where they look at you front on and you basically draw a flat line it barely just missed that stick test and we couldn't definitively put eight rings on it like we could put eight like seven plus his lamb tips and we just were like 
having that definitive, like giving us that buffer zone of having a, you know, and he's probably an eight year old Ram, but we just couldn't definitively say it's an eight year old Ram. So we, yeah, long story short, we sat and him hot and looked at it really close and, and then, uh, ended up walking away. We walked out of that, walked out of that drainage. And I, you know, I feel like we made the right call and the, the safe call. I mean, nobody wants to shoot a sub legal Ram, but yeah. man, it was tough to do in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I was another area was it was really nice having Dwayne was we're up on top of that and Ty was like we need to go get a closer look and I'm looking around going I don't know how you get down there I mean it was legit uh, I think it was like an 800 900 foot shale slide down to those that kind of glacier rocks that Tyler's talking about um, and it didn't look it wasn't the shale where you like can ski down it right it was like really kind of hard packed um it, it, like especially on the upper end it didn't look like you could just get it looked like once you if you slid you were just going down um so it's kind of nice having Dwayne, someone who's been in that country a lot and can kind of know like you kind of learn what rocks you can and can't get around on and what's going to slide and what's not um and uh yeah that was that was cool we like side hilled at the top and then dropped straight down into it and that's one thing I talked about, I think, in what maybe the Monday Minute was how important leather gloves were uh, on that. Because that was basically, it was like, you kind of have both feet on the ground, you're sideways with your butt on the ground. And then and basically I had my right hand in the hill above me just as, <clears throat> as extra traction, right? Um, and just and just be able to dig that leather glove into the rocks to grab on. And that, that my gun, uh, Tyler was talking about kicking rocks on me, like, because my gun was mounted in the in the rifle carrier on the right side, and it just got hammered because we were like, Tyler was literally, literally was just yeah, eight, nine hundred feet of just like these little rocks just piling into my gun. So the stock's all scratched up and beat up. But it's like, man, that's that's perfect. Every time I'm going to look at this gun, I'm going to have these memories of, of that yeah. stock because it was so cool. Um, yeah, we get down there and it was such a bummer. I got all set up on the guns, 245 yards. Rams just up feeding and it was the same thing as the other day except this time we had all the time in the world to sit there and look at this ram and and um we just couldn't make him legal you know you just he was just too close to to call so we hiked out of there and that, that, was, that was the next fun part was hiking out of there uh, there was one little like 15 foot wide snow shoot it was right up the gut of it and we ended up just basically just toe kicking into that thing jam your trekking pole down in there as far as you could and and just pulled yourself up that hill and uh pretty dangerous in in hindsight but uh um it was it was a pretty fun experience to do anyways <laughs> yeah they can't man especially like truly being within 200 240 yards being in the scope like you kind of said earlier tyler you just want to make it legal you want to make that right you want to make that opportunity be something you can capitalize on um and then obviously have different methods, right, of saying whether it's legal based on, you know, full curl, age rings, and that stick test. It's like, I can imagine just being there and hoping, like, you get that right look where you finally have the assurance to make that happen. And then not happening, and then that being tough to walk away from. That's, I mean, that's hunting. But, yeah, yeah that's part of the experience. But it's better than the, the alternative where, you know, you, and it's it's tough to really quantify it like just the stress that is associated with that part of it but <laughs> right um you go and check in this ram and it's so subjective i mean there's you know there's a bunch of biologists and none of them will give you the same um age right like they're all kind of all over the board there it's just you know truly you know like with deer and elk and stuff you you pull the front bottom teeth and you send them in if you really want to know an age but um there they kind of they're counting age rings or looking at the full curl and there's some rams that just really flare out wide and um they may never get full curl they'd be huge rams but they'll never get full curl and they'll be old so that's kind of where the age ring comes in and um yeah so it's just it, it's so tough you don't you don't want to put yourself in that position to go to get that ram checked in and it's right on that border and uh you know and then yeah it's not you know there's a couple people there that agree and um so yeah that's at, at the end of the day, I know we made the right decision. It's just um, my only regret, if you could have any regret, like I, I absolutely loved the entire hunt. It was awesome. Um, was that first band of rams. I wish we would spend a little bit more time because there was one ram that 
flared out pretty wide and uh but it was so early still in the hunt we just like yeah we're seeing sheep we're gonna see some giants back here and it was just um their expectation was pretty high the mm-hmm. bar was really set high so none of those rams were obvious legal and uh so we walked away from them really quick compared to after that we started to really try to analyze every ram and, um yeah so but yeah on that legal standpoint it definitely um you do not want to even try to thread that i don't i don't know to me just it would just taint the whole experience too and it's something that's like you know you're in this vast country it's just so many awesome things about it and then to have something like that um you know be tainted by a you know something like a sublegal ram that would really 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 suck mm-hmm. so so you had the sketchy hike out of that shoot um you know one thing we didn't necessarily hit tyler is w- these few days of hunting after um you got your sheep did you just guys did you guys have meat stored back at camp were you able to i mean guys are always curious especially in areas like alaska some areas you have trees some you don't you got grizzly bears like what was meat care like for those few days before you're actually hiking it out um i put it in the tent with me and hugged it every night and said if a bear was coming in i was gonna fight it (laughs) (laughs) it it was like 30 yards from our tent just in the closest like not closest but the best little tree we had there is getting that kind of that you're getting a little bit more alpine and it's just Mm -hmm. shrub brush and um stuff like that so we didn't really have any kind of tree to hang it so I mean, it was a little tree, but, it, you know, we did what we could with it and got as high as we could, and I kind of shimmied up it. And um, and then, yeah, just the cape. Dwayne has a really cool um, way of going about, and I, I didn't know you could do this before. He'll toss the whole cape in that, that glacier water. Well, not the silty glacier water, but it's a clear, you know, nice cold um, water, and he'll toss it in that and uh, clean it off, get the blood and some of that you know, shell, that black shell that gets packed in the, the hair and stuff in the fall. And he kind of cleans that out and then also keeps it cool that way. Um, so that's how we kept the cape from, you know, the hair starting to fall on that. And um, same thing with the head. We tied a rope off and just tossed it in the creek and put some rocks on it. And I mean, each night we were a little bit nervous. We'd come back to camp and, you know, somebody would have her gun out and kind of just walking yeah. a little bit more observant than just uh um, bebopping into camp and not really paying attention. And so there's always that thought of, you know, if a bear had got in there on the meat, but, um, I don't know. They're, I don't think their densities are that where you really start to sweat it. So the, you guys walk away from that band, you, Steve, you mentioned coming up out of that, uh, snow climb. Where do things go from there in terms of just the hunt story? <laughs> yeah, that, that was the great, that's we we're, uh, climb back out of that, uh, get on top of the ridge, and uh, literally look across from us. So down 3,500 feet and probably up 3,000, we see a band of like five rams. Um, and we're like, freaking awesome. But they're so far away. You can tell they're rams. They're so far away that you're just not, with the atmospheric conditions, enough haze and heat waves and stuff like that. You just couldn't make out what they were or weren't. So like, well, we got no choice but to get closer. And, you know, I think it would, in Idaho it would be like, we had like maybe it's probably seven eight o'clock at night at this point you know so you've got three to four hours max to get down there and get up the other side and kill them and you know in idaho it's like that you couldn't do that um but fortunately we had basically three thousand feet of shale to ski down um and so we just started just flying off the mountain just literally you're just like on this nice steady jog pace uh, the shale, like down the steep part was just this loose, soft, perfect stuff. And, um, and we knew the whole way coming up, I was paying attention cause I was like in my head, we were going to go over the top of that and kill, kill a ram. Right. I've never been in this country, but it just had that really good feeling. Like there's rams up here. Um, I knew that there was those other hunters in the basin that was to the West of us. And I was like, man, if there was any other rams, they've been pushed up into this little bowl, just had a great feeling. So climbing up the whole thing, I'm planning on how am I going to pack this thing out? Um, you know, cause it's like, you definitely got to pick your lines. And so I'd been paying attention that the shoot, it was just packed with, with avalanche snow. Um, but there was no, it never clipped out or anything like that. So as I knew that we could, we could get down that. And, uh, so yeah, we, we piled off, shoot down the shale, get down there, walk, walk the bottom end of it out of snow and 
get to the very bottom and, and unfortunately they weren't weren't legal rams but if they were we would have definitely had enough time to climb up the other side and, and get a shot off which would have been crazy um but yeah we get to the bottom the the rams kind of came out and and uh um basically like ah nope one of them wasn't even close there was a couple three cur- three quarter curls is all so uh went back to camp and then and then we kind of knew okay that was our last day of hunting uh tomorrow morning we're gonna wake up and and um pack out of here and, and and get tyler's meat back get his cape back and and then Dwayne had to go um kind of take care of the the guide client situation that he had where the guide wasn't wanting to hunt um and he basically asked me he's like hey I, I know this stinks but are you okay if i go get this other client and he comes and joins us for the last few days of the hunt and at this point Dwayne's like became a good friend and it's like yeah man i understand no problem it's it's uh you know you're it's a, a crappy situation but you know make the best of it so we uh we did our 15 miles out that day and that's where we we knew the first bit uh we were going to do crocs just right down the small stream and and just deal with the the numb toes and feet and and legs um but we did that first seven miles rounded the corner onto the main river and all of us were like 100 percent on board like we're gonna finish the whole hike in crocs man we got we got heavy 80 90 pound packs with all our gear and sheep meat and cape and horns but um this croc life's amazing and it was kind of it was nice just to uh you're kind of like icing your your ankles and your calves the whole time and um it was nice to have your feet out of the boots just breathe and stretch a little bit it was mark you could relate in this is very similar to hiking in like ultras um Mm that it's almost exactly what they felt like it was super comfortable you got to be careful like you know when you're in the streams um definitely moved slower you didn't hike through it recklessly you used your trekking poles whenever the footing was was sketchy because you know you could definitely like roll an ankle or something kind of easy if you if you're not being careful but we all just took our time and picked our way out of there and uh, man we, we made good time i think we averaged um just under two miles an hour to get out of there um and so it wasn't wasn't terrible it was probably seven eight hours we were we were out of there by early afternoon and um then Dwayne went and I guess he went and flew your meat to town, right? And then came back, went and got the the other client, nope. and and, um, and then he came and joined us. And we legitimately that night started hiking back into the country. <laughs> so we we did this 15 mile pack out. Uh, maybe had five six hours. Tyler and I hung around base camp, and then later that evening we were hike. We had reloaded our packs back up with uh, I think four no five days worth of food. Um, and turned around and started hiking back in so we probably did i don't know 20 something miles low 20 miles that day um it was a pretty good yeah. day big day and yeah most of those miles being pretty heavy miles yeah what does uh i didn't hear it in there so i might have missed it but what like you guys split the sheep among the three of you i'm assuming on the way out uh what do you think pack weights were like i mean that's just thinking of doing that pack out and through the creek and in the crocs and all that and it was heavy maybe not super crazy heavy but what do you think that was like yeah it's a long th- way yeah i mean i think we're somewhere between 80 and 90 pounds i think um i think Dwayne was saying that a boned out sheep if if they're doing their job right on a mature ram it's supposed to be 79 80 pounds of meat mm-hmm. um so we're right there in that ballpark of Dwayne and i each had 40 pounds um and then my pack with, you know, by the time you throw the gun on and all that stuff, I was yeah. right around that 40, 45 pounds. Uh, Dwayne, probably a little bit heavier than I because he was, um, his gear wasn't quite as light. And then Tyler, I think, head and cape is the same ballpark. I don't, I think Tyler's pack mm-hmm. was maybe the heaviest by a few pounds. Um, but, but depending on your base gear, we all had somewhere between 40 and 45 pounds of, of, uh, of sheep on our back, right? So right. that's where I... I was reflecting back on like, all right, the guy who goes in and kills a sheep solo, he's a straight up badass. Like, cause <laughs> you've got, like, I mean, it's kind of like, I guess you just have to, I mean, if you one trip it out, you're, you're a legit 140 to 50 pound pack. I, I just don't know how yeah. it's possible. Right. If you, if you got a full, I mean, you, you have the option of not taking the cape out, but even if you don't want to use the cape, they're worth quite a bit of money apparently to sell them to a taxidermist. Um, I mean, thousands of dollars kind of money. So it's like, man, that's tough to pass up. And, um, uh, yeah, so you're, you got a heavy, heavy pack. I mean, I could like for, for nothing 
considering nothing else, just keeping your base gear as light as possible for the assumption that you're going to come out heavy is, is important, right? Cause it's like, mm-hmm. man, every, every pound over that 110, 120 really starts adding up. So, um, not, not so much when it's 40 or 45 pounds on your date when you're just hunting, but man, you uh, got that sucker loaded down. It's going to be brutal. Mm. And it's, I don't know how practical two trips is in and out of that country either. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, we, it would have been, 45 miles by yourself to get that thing out of there <laughs> I mean, that's uh, uh, 30 of, of heavy pack and 15 to go back in for the second trip with a light pack man that's uh it'd be as i said you're you're a badass if you're doing that solo yeah dang so yeah you guys are packing back in headed for more you said steve four or five days of food so pick that up from these you know few yeah, days remaining of the hunt and, uh at this point you know we we felt like we had covered where Tyler killed his sheep. We felt like we had seen all the sheep in there and there, and there weren't any other legal rams to be found unless like hunting pressure pushed them in there. Um, and we just basically at this point was like total shot in the dark. Let's look at the quad sheets. And it's one thing I, you know, uh, really, really, really missed having aerial imagery on my phone between Earthmate and Onyx. You know, I, it's such a, um, vast area, that uh, and actually Earthmate didn't have aerial imagery even available. I tried and it, there's nothing there to download. And then Onyx, with their limitations of of these little ten mile square chunks, um, I knew the general area we were going into, but it would have um, taken you know it would have been impossible to download all the maps for it because it would have taken three days. So, um, which I don't know if either one of you saw, but Onyx did just completely change how you download maps, and it is a much 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 better system it's pretty pretty nice so yeah yeah it does look good i've only played with it a bit but i saw that email i just did that the other day of um because you can now tyler i think you and i talked about this on the hunt you can now legitimately jump on your computer at home select all the maps you want to download um and then it basically puts that onto your phone you still have to download to your phone but when you just go to open your offline maps um the the map is there waiting to be downloaded so you just have to hit hit the download button and it just populates. It was freaking so much easier. I wish if they had had that part of the sheep on, I would have had all the imagery I needed, but so we're shooting in the dark of country and all I got is quad sheets to go off of. So you just don't know what the terrain looks like. And man, we basically long, long and short of it is we freaking hiked some serious, serious miles those next few days. Um, and just never turned up sheep. Um, that we, we literally like started getting to where, we're hearing the stories of 70 to 80% die off. Like we're, we're, we killed Tyler's Ram. We were seeing sheep all over the place. Uh, once we got out from that, those, that little drainage, um, I think we saw like six sheep the next few days. Um, it got really, really sparse. So, and just nothing that was even, um, I guess there was one Ram that from about three miles away, we made a move on. And then, and then once we got within a thousand yards, pretty quickly realized he was, you know, like a seven eights curl and, and not big enough. And we covered some country, went through some sketchy rocks and terrain and up and down and up and down. And, um, just never, basically that was kind of the end of the hunt, man. Like it just kind of petered out from there. We, uh, um, yeah, I don't know anything, any stories jump out to you from that, Tyler? Um, no, but I got kind of takeaways. Like, I actually was just going back and listening to your top five favorite podcasts and you had that Billy Moles on there. Um, he really kind of something he said in that where he was like, if you come to Alaska, just expecting a notch tag, just that's your thing, right? Like you're going to be sorely disappointed. Just the way he kind of alliterated that and talked about it, it hit home to our hunt. Like, you know, neither one of us, like, that's why like hindsight, I wish I would just, would have made you shoot like that's probably my but uh i just uh i feel like we didn't get to that point where we had to fill a time i mean we really wanted to but we both were just soaking in those specials you know those very unique experiences where you know we're packing out you know through that that creek and then climbing some of those that last call it the second half or whatever where we just covered miles like we went through some really cool country that people go their whole lives never seeing. Like yeah. where those old glaciers were, and those those rock fields that 
you know, they make these big, they look like just big pillowy piles of rock. Um, but they were, you know, all these rock and stuff to, from avalanches and, and whatnot that were getting on top of the glacier and inside the glacier, whatever. They just kind of stack up in weird formations and just walking through all that country. And it's, it's in some ways when it was like real foggy and, and cloudy, it was kind of like eerie. You're walking through this like gloomy, dark, like just mystic, weird place. And yeah, like just, I don't know, like, like, I feel like, yeah, definitely getting those, that last part of the hunt for me. Selfishly, I'm glad that, you know, it did drag out. I was hoping that it would drag out and you'd still get a ram, but, um, but I was able to soak it in. Like just, yeah, we kind of hit on before. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't think either one of us were really like, yeah, there was never a point like this hunt sucks because we didn't kill something like for you, you know, you didn't no, get that, yeah. you know, you didn't, get to that point and um i'd like to think you know had the roles been reversed where you know you shot first and um i shot that i'd be in the same mental state because i mean yeah it definitely made the trip a lot more fun when you're just kind of enjoying what what we got to be in yeah it was just too cool country to, to, to get like a negative or bummed out attitude i mean it it was the second half was very comparable to like a death hike i mean we just covered miles and we worked hard, but man, the scenery was beautiful and we were just soaking it in and, and we were still seeing, you know, we'd see a caribou here, a moose there, um, black bear, grizzly bear, like you're seeing animals. And, um, yeah, it was, it was just, uh, just a really cool site. We're plotting and planning future hunting plans to come back in there and kill moose and, and caribou and stuff like that. Cause it could be, could be a really, really fun hunt. And, um, yeah, just such a cool thing. One, one thing that, uh, Tyler, I, I, I texted Mark about because I didn't want to forget about it, was uh, your invention of the noon tea. That was freaking awesome. Oh, yeah, heating up the noon tablet and having a warm. Yeah, yeah pretty, yeah, pretty solid way to go to bed. That was yeah. pretty awesome. So, yeah, we you know, always had done noon tablets and just throw them in a, a water bottle or something and drink them during the day, but we started doing them at nighttime um, just as a hot drink and just get the water boiling and drop the tablet in there and let it dissolve and... Uh, sip on that it was, it was pretty uh pretty fantastic and you're getting some of those electrolytes and all that stuff well and yeah my kind of my thought to kind of go into that a little bit was we did the immunity at night so we were getting kind of getting some stuff in our body right before we went to bed you know we are pushing ourselves like you know we're averaging what we figured like 12 miles a day um we're really kind of pushing our limits there so it's nice to get that immunity you know get some extra stuff vitamin c and whatnot and then in the mornings we were doing the one with a little caffeine you and i both we can't get enough of that so it was mm-hmm. nice to have our coffee and then get another noon tablet with a little extra kick to it <laughs> so but, tyler what was uh, uh, that was a, yeah go ahead sure. uh that was one other thing as you're um, talking i remember i don't know like definitely know your body and the death hike helps us do that like as far as figure out how our body responds to stuff we all kind of talked about it like some people when they're putting their body through stress they don't eat and then other people need to eat a lot in that case and it was a lot like a death like like steve was saying i could not eat enough i thought that last the second time we went back out i was like i'm packing way too much food but even before i kind of got a glimpse of it um, that second part, I mean, I devoured everything. I was borrowing food from you, from Dwayne. Like, I mean, and I had started that with a surplus. Like, and I, yeah, you, I just couldn't get enough calories. Um, so that's definitely something to think about when you're, when you're in that. Yeah. Tyler, I'm curious, what is the process like when you're, uh, coming out of the field then and taking care of everything legally, um, for your sheep in terms of you talked before about, you know, biologists and different takes on age and all that, but like, just walk us through that process and experience. Uh, um, so yeah, I, I've got two experiences now to compare against. And my first one was, um, I was solo in the Brooks range and I was kind of just, I'd killed my Ram and I was sitting at the airstrip waiting for my pilot and had to be there a couple of days. And he was way behind on shuttling people out. So I time my hand, I just sat there and was fleshing out my cape and hanging out and a trooper landed on me and uh you know we talked i told him where i killed my ram and and 
right out in the fields. He looked at it, gave a nage, did the measurements, did all the stuff, and then put the seal or the plug in the, the back of the horn and away he went. So it was really like I didn't have to go into an office or anything. I just got to take my ram home just like I would, you know, any other type of hunt like that. And so, I, and then this time, you know, coming from out of state and stuff. And then of course we, we didn't run into a trooper and have that luxury. I, I went into an office and, uh, you know, this is to us, this is a definitive, like, you know, nine, 10 year old Rams, you know, beat up on top at one side, he's got his lamp tip, um, broke off and stuff. And, and I go into this office and do the thing. And the lady like right away grabs it and she's, she's doing the stick test and she's doing a way where she's turning the stick and, and, uh, looking at from the side. And she goes, I don't know if this is full curl and kind of like just that little statement, like immediately I got like the butterflies, like, Oh no, here we go. You know? And then another biologist came over and he's like, well, yeah, it's full curl. And then it's 10 years old. So, <laughs> um, then it got sealed and plugged and I was on my way, but just that little fraction of those few minutes of like, Oh crap, where's this going? Like, cause it's so subjective that I, I definitely got nervous. So it, I don't know. Yeah. Sheep's a crazy thing. It definitely uh, has a way of, um, I don't know how to put it. It just, it can make the experience of just a little nerve wracking, no matter which way you, you go about it. Even when you, you for sure, you know, for sure have a 10 year old ram and a you know a good ram and um i don't know it's just that that little part of it definitely is i'm sure everyone goes through it when they go in there they you know even if they've got a giant um i think that truly the easiest way just to be a hundred percent and go into one of those places and not have a a worry in the world is if you just shot a double broomed off um ram because it's then it's for sure no matter what so mm -hmm. yeah definitely different experience yeah hmm. do you have anything to to wrap things up any additions questions yeah for Tyler, i wish like yeah like I, you know i wish there was uh did a better job of taking notes because there were so many cool little memories and stories from the hunt uh tyler and i were one of them was just uh, the grizzly bear that came into camp the last night we were out there it was uh tyler's we're start <clears throat> trying to start a fire and I look back over my shoulder and there's a grizzly bear about 75 yards away, just walking straight at us. And, uh, the bear basically wouldn't for about half an hour, wouldn't leave us. Like he was between within 50 and a hundred yards for quite a while. And, um, you know, that, that part of it was interesting. You know, we saw some, saw a big old moose on the trip. We we're plotting on how we could come back someday and kill that thing. And, um, plotting on how we could use rafts and, and float in and out of that country. And, um, yeah, just the experience with Dwayne was just fantastic. It was like hunting with a great friend, and I really, really enjoyed that. That was like I said, something I was worried about of going with a guy that you didn't like, and it just kind of, you know, the the people you're hunting with make your trip, right? Make or break your trip. If they got negative attitude and, and aren't fun to be around, it could ruin the whole experience. So I feel extremely fortunate there. Um, first trip flying in a Super Cub, and obviously got the huge advantage that Dwayne is – you know, the owner, the pilot, the, the guide. Um, so we got to zip around in that super cub a bunch of times, you know, when we went to pack out that caribou and back to, uh, back to camp and to the, out to the spike camp. And, um, that was a blast just rallying around on that thing. It's basically a go-kart with wings and, um, seeing that old cabin on that I did a rod trail. I mean, there was just so many awesome takeaways and experiences from that hunt that, uh, I feel like it's, you know, I've done done quite a few trips up there now. That Kodiak last year with with you, Mark, was was a blast. And then this one was like probably the 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 first like real backcountry Alaska experience that that probably everybody envisions. You know, um, just such a fun hunt. So I I can't wait to get, to get back and um, hopefully get a sheep someday. So yeah, cool. Well, Tyler, it's uh. A congrats is like not even giving it justice man but uh proud of you and happy for you not i mean i was so stoked to be going back to hunt expo when you won and i'm glad it all came together and uh you know can't happen to a better dude man so congrats yeah appreciate it 
Cool. Well, guys, we'll wrap it there. Appreciate uh, sharing the story with us. Um, listeners, hope you enjoyed that. If you have uh, any stories from this fall to share with us, as always, you can just reach out to podcast at xomountaingear.com, and we'll talk to you soon.